1: Coach Jen in Ocala,
2: Florida, and I'm Mary Kitzmiller from Kemp, Texas, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June Fourteenth, Episode Nineteen Fifty Three. Today's show is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. What is your favorite day of the week? You never stop learning. You never stop understanding. It's more in depth than just riding a horse knowing that for the rest of my life I could work on this and and I'll never stop learning.
1: That's my favorite part of the opening. Welcome back. Second Thursday of every month, Mary Kitzmiller's here and we get to geek out on training.
2: How are you doing, Mary? I'm doing pretty good.
1: Now, before the show got started this morning... Uh, Mary and I were geeking out on horse training because, you know, an hour to an hour and a half once a month isn't enough. We have to do it before the show, too. And we got to talking about ADD and ADHD and how humans learn, um, the science of how humans learn, whether they're visual learners or auditory learners and things like that. And I posed the question, do horses have a spectrum of learning? I don't want to say ability. What's
2: a better word than ability? I'm not sure. I guess maybe capabilities, um, and and I just have to point out that the way we got on this thread of thinking is very ADD and <laughs> it's how my mind works. Because I was reading the intro. And notice that it was episode 1953, and I happen to remember that 1953 is the same year that uh, Ray Bradbury published his famous book, Fahrenheit 451, and I go off on a tangent about how, oh, that's been made into a movie on HBO starring Michael B. Jordan, who was also in Creed, um, and we go down this rabbit hole of talking <laughs> about... Um, us growing up and finding out later on, like, oh, I think with me, I-, I was like, I think I have ADD. Um, and not finding this out till I was adult an adult, I just thought that I was crazy. Um <laughs> and- well, you're that
1: too. You're allowed to yes. be both.
2: Yes, yes. You have uh, how I many don't. Mustangs? I don't count. See, that makes you great, <laughs> great. Exactly, and so then we go we go to talking about ADD and and how it works, and uh, you know different quirks that you have, possibly being ADD, and then that led us to what about horses? Do, is do they have their equivalent of ADD or? Um, you know, what kind of, uh, what kind of capability different, you know, how different are, is, is it going from horse to horse and how they learn? And, and I guess that would, you know, the next question would be, how do we adapt to that? If we take that into consideration,
1: there we go. And how do we get, how do we get onto the, I don't know how, yeah, I think it was, it was Fahrenheit 454. Thank you, Ray Bradbury for continuing to improve my life. He's been doing it my, for the heat, you know. Now that he's gone, he still continues to improve my life because it got us talking about that. But coming up on today's show, we are going to talk about rewarding your horse. Uh, We're going to chat a little bit about um, desensitizing and reteaching a horse who has ear issues. Uh, Maybe we'll chat a little bit about solo. The Star Wars story movie that somebody Ooh, I know went yes. to see. And then, of yes, course, we've absolutely. got more listener questions to, to answer down here at the bottom of the page. So it's totally geeking out on horse training. So at the top of the list, uh, before we get to Mustangs, because you have several in training right now and I want to catch up on what they're up to, let's get our get our training tip Reward your horse. Make sure to stop and let your horse know he's got it right. Uh, Explain to us how this got inspired because there's always some event in your life that inspired your tip each month.
2: Well, actually, training Mustangs, as usual, because that's all I do these days um, besides the 50 other things I'm doing. But um, Well,
1: you're also training goats.
2: Yes. And catching loose cows. Oh, my gosh. Every day so i fixed my loose cow problem but now there's a very nice sweet old lady whose fences must be falling apart because every day there's one of her cows coming to visit my cows and twice now it's been a bull oh no so i might have like a beef dairy hybrid calf next year we will see oh no uh, <laughs> oh, life in the country life in the country um yeah so so yeah the training tip it seems kind of generic and of course you read it reward your horse make sure you let your horse know he's got it right Most people would read that and will go, yeah, duh, that's how horse training works. Um, But there are several instances where I'm constantly reminded about this and where I remind people uh, about this fact when they're telling me uh, what their horse's issues and problems are. And it is actually my answer to one of the training questions we've gotten this month. Um, So reward your horse. Let him know he's got it right. Uh, as you know, I'm I'm big into clicker training and using food in training. This does not necessarily mean you have to feed your horse cookies. Um, uh, if I'm not using a food reward, my biggest reward I can give my horse um, is a big release of pressure and a long break. Um, people don't let their horses stand and chill during a ride enough. I learned this from training reining horses um, where... If you've just done something spectacular with your horse, something that took a lot of effort, say this amazing reining spin, or your horse just slid 20 feet into the ground uh, or did a beautiful lead change, the reiners taught me to break the horse down, let him stop moving and just sit there, throw the reins away and let that horse just chill for a little bit. And this does two things. Um, it lets the horse know, hey, I'm not going to bother you for about five or ten minutes. You just get to chill out. And you know, usually if the horse has done something very athletic, he's going to be physically tired and he needs to take a break and catch his air. He needs a bit of a mental break. And the other thing that this accomplishes is you are slowly teaching your horse to love Standing and relaxing. Um, how many people have problems out there with their horse not standing still? If you're on the trail or you're waiting for your class to start at a show, your horse gets really fidgety. Well, you can prevent this issue by making a nice long break a good reward. Um, and so putting this to use. Um, I am working on my Mustang Sage right now. We leave for Kentucky for the Kentucky makeover on Monday. And riding wise, Sage is pretty far behind. We're working to catch up. She's coming along beautifully. She's going to make a great horse for someone. But she's just, uh, she's a little behind training wise because uh, she had a few challenges in the beginning. Um, so I'm working on um, the best thing I'm working on right now is lead departures from a walk. Um, and she has, she doesn't know yet how to go from a walk to a lope. Uh, she can canter from a trot easily, but it's a huge effort for her and any horse really to strike off into the correct lead into a beautiful canter from the walk. That takes a lot of impulsion on the horse. There's a
1: lot of core muscles involved with that one. Yep.
2: Yes. And so what I often see with people who have problems that are similar to this or even problems picking up the correct lead is let's say you're riding a horse along. Let's say you have a problem getting your lead. You want the right lead. The horse is constantly giving you the left lead. So you ask for the right lead. The horse picks up the left lead. So you break them down. Set it up. Explain
1: what you mean by break them down because folks from the English oh. world might not know what you mean by that.
2: When I say break them down, um, and this comes from the rainers, uh, if I'm going to stop my horse, uh, in reigning terms to me, stop means bury your butt in the ground and slide. So unless I'm working specifically on that maneuver, which is very important to a reining horse, I don't, um, I don't ask my horse to halt unless we're working on that because If I ask, let's say I'm working on leads or lead changes and I need to set set my horse up again, or I even need to reward him. If I say the W word, whoa, and ask my horse to stop and he does not bury his butt and slide into the ground, big sliding stop, then I have to work on that. I have to fix that immediately. And so that can be very disruptive if I'm really wanting to work on our leads and um so basically
1: it's, there you have a different request rather than saying stop which is you know yes nomenclature Would for I, stop movement you're actually saying to the horse uh, go back to trot or go back to walk.
2: Yes. I'll okay. go through all the downward gates to come to a stop or walk as it were. So I do that by relaxing my seat and those horses know very well what that means. If I quote unquote stop riding, meaning I don't have the energy in my seat, I let all the air out of my body. That horse should just trickle down, trot, 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 walk, 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 stop. Yeah, that so That's way- the difference.
1: If you had a, if you had a standard shift automobile, you mm-hmm. come to a stop so, stop sign, you put your foot on the clutch and hit the brake. You stop. But you're still yes. in third gear versus going um, downshift from third gear to second gear yes. to first gear to a stop. That's, that's breaking exactly down. Right. Okay.
2: Yes. Yeah, Got that's it. exactly right. That way... um, I don't have to like say if I'm using if if I'm quote unquote breaking my horse down to reward them Let's say my horse gave me the most beautiful majestic flying lead change ever And all I want to do is let him sit and rest and just bask in the glory of that wonderful lead change So he does this gorgeous perfect wonderful flying lead change for the first time ever and I want to give him a big reward if I say whoa after that to stop him to let him have his break and that horse does not slide does not give Ah. me a good powerful stop i have to fix it yeah because
1: now you've got you've asked for another movement and it it wasn't brilliant because you want to you want to stop with that brilliant movement so that the horse goes oh that was the right answer got it
2: Yes, and if he doesn't slide correctly, let's say he stops on his front end or he runs through the stop a little bit, I have to fix it. By doing that, I ruin this wonderful moment he had of giving me that beautiful lead change, and he will never know that he did so good on that lead change because now I'm fixing the stop. So what I do instead is he gives me this beautiful, brilliant, wonderful lead change. All I want to do is let him just stop rest, take a breath. I may even get off of him and be done with the ride if it was that great. Um, So what I will do to reward that is I will relax my body, stop riding, let him trickle down to trot, 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 walk, 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 come to a stop and this also makes your horse brilliant at reading your seat because that horse is craving the moment where, oh my gosh, my person's let me rest for a little bit. And so they're going to be waiting for you to relax and allow them to come all the way back down to a stop. There's not a wrong way to do that, really. Um, so I don't sacrifice my good stop and I don't sacrifice my ability to reward my horse and let him know, man, that was so good. Um, so that's a, that's a good training tip in and of itself.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's very interesting. In the English community, maybe the equivalent to this would be the horses giving you, you're, you're doing a jumping school and got that grid, you nailed it. He got to the base of the vertical left the hot back rail of the oxer up and then brought himself back to the next vertical without ticking it with his front toes. You're thrilled. You land on the far side and rather than um, gathering the horse up into a halt, you just gradually let him canter out onto a long rein and let him break into a trot and trot out on a long, loose rein. Might be a similar process in that you are not actively seeking any further movements from the horse. You're just letting him naturally glide back into a yes. walk and take a break. That's very interesting.
2: And and I will do that, my version of that as well. Let's say my horse just has a nice little moment of collection in the bridle. And maybe it's not so monumental that we need to stop our ride and have a break, but I want to let my horse, man, you just really gathered yourself into that frame beautifully. And I want to let you know that I'll do the same thing of, I'll let the rain go and just go for a hack. Just like say, Hey, just trot out along the long side of the rail for a bit before I gather you back up again. That that just lets the horse know, man, that little moment you had there was very nice. We're going to, you know, take a a breath and then go again.
1: Very interesting. Now, If we were to play Tevil's advocate here, if you have a horse who struggles mightily with stretching his back and dropping his head and neck down and stretching on his back, that might not be the best choice. Because at that point, you are asking the horse something that he physically and or mentally has to really contemplate. Um, So maybe that's not that exact horse's best reward at that exact moment. He might be one of those horses that he's given you something wonderful that he had to work really hard at that literally coming to a halt, maybe even a single rain halt because he's a real baby basic coming to a single rain halt, giving a good rub on his neck and telling him he's a good boy. Maybe that's the right reward for that horse at that moment in his training. So this has a very wide arc of available, outcomes depending on the horse and the rider and the moment but i think the takeaway lesson here is make sure you have that in your tool chest and use it appropriately
2: exactly exactly and um you know it's uh yeah you definitely want to use an appropriate reward that's going to work for that horse and um you know, Going back to the leads, um, if you have difficulty on a particular maneuver, your horse is just not getting it, not getting it, not getting it. Um, what I'll see often is someone has a problem picking up the correct lead. They're going for the right lead, horse is giving him the left. So the horse picks up the right lead, or the ho- you ask for the right lead, horse picks up the left, you um, put him back to walk to try again, you ask for the right lead, horse picks up the left, you bring him back to walk, try again and over and over and over, finally you ask for the right lead and the horse gives you the right lead. What I see more often than not is someone will continue to canter on the right lead. Like, Oh, we got it now. Let's go canter. Well, that horse just tried and tried and tried and tried to finally give you that correct lead. Um, you need to, as, as it does sound a little counterintuitive because you finally picked up the lead. Um, You need to let that horse know, oh, my gosh, finally did it. So what I will do. Ding, 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 ding,
1: ding, 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 ding. That that exact scenario just happened this past weekend to us. Exact scenario.
2: Interesting. Nigel didn't come
1: with the right lead. And Uh um, his previous trainers struggled with it mightily. So he was a little bit sour on the whole process. As soon as you started asking for right leads in an arena situation, he would just turn turn into a whirling dervish because it what do you um the poisoned AIDS, I think you called them.
2: Yeah. He had bad yes. case of toxic poison toxic poisoned aids. Toxic cues. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He
1: had toxic cues. Um the other day we were out riding and I thought, well, he is he is coming through his back like never before. This is just amazing. I'm so excited. Why not give it a try? And he picked up the right lead. And he didn't just pick up the right lead. He picked it up balanced and through so that when he picked up the canter, it was like, oh, my gosh, this isn't Nigel's canter. This is someone else's canter. It was very exciting. We cantered for about five steps. And because he was balanced and put together and on the bit, yada, 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 it was very simple for me to just exhale and sit deep into the saddle. And he came to an absolute perfectly square halt. And I gave him a rub on his neck and it's like, we are done. Done riding for the day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Get <laughs> out. Riding. Loosen your girth. Yep. <laughs> done riding for the day. Here, have a, Have an alfalfa cookie. You are a good boy. But what I thought was really interesting, I made uh, I made Glenn video it. What was really interesting, and maybe this is a conversation for a different day, and we'll get this wrapped up before it's time to uh, talk about Mustangs. I had him film it, and I put it on slow motion. He picked up his canter right, right? With his front leg first, Mm -hmm. which is not according to the book. Well, he didn't read the book. They're supposed to pick it up with their hind leg first. right? And he's one of those horses that he struggles with his canter in general, particularly the right. But it was very obvious the right front came up, came forward first. And then you could, he had a little ear flipping moment. And then the next stride, he got right front and then he did diagonal pair. And then outside hide, and it's supposed to work the other way around. And I thought, like, this is very interesting. So now the next time I try to do some canner work, I want to have somebody film it to see if that stays consistent. If he's got maybe he's got a little dyslexia. He's got yeah. a learning thing. Maybe his for him, that canner has to happen front leg
2: first. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, totally, totally possible. And it makes sense that that's how he would pick it up if he's had difficulty. So there's probably, you know, it takes a a great deal of impulsion to power into that lead, especially doing it correctly, which is from the hind first. So there's just probably a little bit of weakness back there. Uh, It doesn't necessarily mean there's an injury or anything like that. Oh, there's
1: crap back there. There's crap. I admit it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, So.
2: So, yeah. So, you know, you know, you may just have to settle for, man, you got the correct lead. Yeah, you didn't do it by the book, but you got it. I'm so excited. <laughs> and then, yeah, wait for him. You know, the Once he practices doing that correctly over and over and over again, I think he'll build up the conditioning he needs to get it from the hind end first. Um, yeah. So, yeah, very that, well yeah. done.
1: At that moment, I didn't care. I didn't care how he got it. He got it. His hind end and his front end were on the same track because normally his inside hind leg is about six feet in. He's like, canters like a crab. And it was just, I didn't care at that point, but I thought it was just interesting that that was his technique to get it. Because I'd I'd never seen such a thing before. Not that I've watched a lot of slow motion of horses picking up the canter. So that's an interesting mental note. I'm not putting it in the good or bad category at this point. I'm just putting it right in the middle. So there you go. So yeah. let's move on to, and uh, now I've, I've sidetracked you because I'm ADD as well. And I love to talk about my horse Mustangs. You gave us a little bit of a, a, preview of what's going on with Sage. Now, uh, let's go backtrack just a tiny bit. Who is Sage? Tell us who Sage is real quick.
2: Sage is my red roan Mustang mare. That is my, uh, competition horse for the Kentucky makeover, uh, which is next week. And ah! uh, yeah, I'm not stressing out or anything. Good times good times. So, but she's doing well. She's so, doing very well.
1: So Sage is, how old is Sage?
2: She is four years old out of little Wahi, Nevada. I hope that I pronounced that right. So she's a Nevada
1: horse. And how long have you been working with Sage about?
2: Uh, since the end of February. So I don't know, I guess we're at a hundred days now. About a hundred days. Yeah.
1: And Sage um, is riding around. What is Sage's, favorite skill set that she's learned so though so far that hurts like oh, i got this
2: her most favorite thing in the whole wide world and i think she has a love affair with this is the mounting block <laughs> she she's developed a more meaningful relationship with the mounting block than she has with me there we go if, I, if she's loose in the arena, she goes to her mounting block and just rest her head on it. And she's just, she's like Brick from Anchorman. She's like, I love mounting block. <laughs> and it's like, do you really love the mounting block, Sage? Are you just pointing at things around the room and saying you love them? And she just like emphatically states, I love mounting block. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: fu- you know, that's, that's a good thing, though. You know, for her life skills, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now, what is Sage's least... Favorite skill set that she struggles with.
2: Well, for a long time, it was me sitting on her back. Oh, that's Uh, not good. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, she she uh, she really um, did not like a person sitting Upright on her back And I have to point out That I was a little timid About this um, Where I didn't know what she was going to do She just felt a little Skittish And I finally um, Had a my assistant's brother Who will Sit on anything And he's he's quite a brilliant rider Because he's one of those That rare breed of guy doesn't care what the horse does, whatever they do, they will ride out the storm, but he also does not get in the horse's way or antagonize the horse in any way. And he put a ride or two on her where he just let her go through her thing. And then we were good. Um, she jumped around and flopped around a little bit and he just sat there. He didn't fight with her. He he didn't get in her way. And, um, and then after that, she went okay, I can do this. And see, the, now, lion,
1: the lion on her back did not fall off, but it also didn't chomp into her neck with his teeth. So it exactly. turned out to be okay. Exactly.
2: I had done everything I could on the ground, everything possible. And at the, at that point, it was just a, uh, we've just got to let you do your thing and realize it's going to be okay. And she did. And now um, it's amazing. Two weeks ago, she wasn't sure what legs were. <laughs> and why this crazy person was sitting on her and now she's like oh yes i will two track to the rail for you in beautiful collection what else would you like so we're behind um but i think she's going to be competitive we have every chance to be competitive who knows um and most importantly she's going to be good for a new home she's figured it out she is on the right track she's lovely and wonderful to be around um and i'm gonna i'm gonna really miss her um if i had the room i would bring her home with me you would bring them all home with you i would and i usually do
1: (laughs) okay so so sage is getting ready for her makeover now tell us about mustang number two give us the reader's digest version of where he's at because everybody's a little bit he seems to be a little bit special in everybody's heart for a particular reason
2: yeah. Yes. Well, for one thing, he is drop a gorgeous. This is Brimington. He is from Salt Wells Creek, Wyoming. Uh, he's my Mustang for the Fort Worth makeover this year. So we're when does coming that happen? on that is uh beginning of September. Okay. So and we're coming on about um 30 days of training with him. Um he is essentially a giant golden retriever in horse form. Um his uh his favorite thing in the world is getting his butt scratched. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's he's a little special. This one he's he's pretty nifty. Um, he looks his markings. He's a very beautiful dark rich bay uh, with four white socks, a bald face, and two blue eyes with eyeliner. I mean, he's just wow. He's the Johnny Depp of horses.
1: Oh, that's a good. That's a, yeah, I like it, Johnny Depp, and. This is what I thought was really unique about it is you have pictures of him growing up but because he was he was gathered as an adult. He grew up uh, in the open, right?
2: Yes, he was actually gathered as a two year old uh, last October. So he's not been off the range for very long. Um, so he, it's, how old it's is he? Quite, he's three now. He's three. OK, so it's quite remarkable how wonderfully tame he is. Um, His parents are both curly Mustangs, and I'm told by curly Mustang enthusiasts that even though he doesn't have the little kinky curly mane or or fur coat um, that his parents have, that he is still considered a curly. And I am told that these horses have a wonderful disposition as a general rule, and this is absolutely proven to be true. This particular herd... Um, a lot of trainers have gotten them from the salt Wells Creek, uh, this year. And by all accounts, these horses are just insanely cool to work with. And I was very lucky in that this herd is very well documented. Um, a photographer by the name of Pat Doak, I hope I pronounced her name correctly. When, uh, when a, fr- a mutual friend found out I had adopted Remy, she pulled out her phone at the auction and showed me baby pictures. And I tell you what, this horse in the video—I got him for a steal. One horse went for six grand. Oh! I yes, I got Remy for six hundred and fifty dollars. Dang, um, it's fancy. See, and color so often affects price on these horses.
1: That's interesting that he, because he's such a well, loud color, he, is he? Is there something else that made him less appealing to some people?
2: His preview video was only 18 seconds long. He just kind of jogged around. And I thought by his video, which was really grainy and fuzzy, hard to see, I thought he was a sorrel with a little bald face. Like, I thought... Well, he's a Pinto, and I wasn't specifically trying to go for color and flash. I just really liked the look of him. Um, I thought he's a Pinto, but he's kind of the lesser, more drab Pintos that there are. There were a lot of Pintos in this group. And when she showed me the picture of this horse in the wild, I thought, that's him? Are you kidding me? He's amazing. Um, So she's got photos of him all the way back to being a brand new baby foal. Uh, on the range. He's very well documented. I'm, I've am i never had a chance to have a horse, have photos of him in the wild and have someone who knows him, who followed him. And she was right on the money. She told me, she said, he is so chill. He's going to train beautifully. And sure enough, he's just the most chilled out dude on the planet.
1: Isn't that interesting? That is so cool.
2: Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm really excited.
1: Stephanie Eileen, who I'm going to call at this particular moment, um, has issues with ears for her horse. So being a one-woman one show today, I'm going to give Stephanie Eileen a call. And I can't multitask because my brain isn't built that way. So uh, I, I can't talk while dialing like Glenn can. I have to remember which uh, which keyboard to use because I have a choice of three here.
2: <laughs> uh, and I am messaging her now, too. There
1: we go. Now, talk a little bit about ears and Mustangs as I give this person a call.
2: So ears, um, yeah, this question is going to be a challenge for me because um, ears are one of my weak points working with horses because it can be so difficult. Most ear problems in horses do stem from a pain issue. Maybe someone used their ear gra- by uh, in the past to twitch them. Uh, that's an old cowboy trick is to twist the ear so the horse won't get away from you. Um, so a horse has a memory of pain or your horse had ticks in their ears and you had to clean it out. In this horse's case, um, it has a plaque issue. So most ear issues um, with horses, it's a very sensitive part of their body developed from pain and to overcome that so that you can put their ears in a bridle or handle their ears um it can be very very difficult so so I'll be very interested to hear what the s- specific um, issues are with this horse and and how we can help fix them yeah this one's gonna this one's gonna challenge me as a trainer because I also have had difficulties with this in the Hello. past. Hello, Stephanie, how are you? Hi, good. how are you? Good. You are on the air with us and uh, here to ask your question. Tell us a little bit about your horse and uh, what kind of challenges you're having.
0: So he's a 14-year-old OTTB. <clears throat> he was my lesson horse, um, and he's been mine for a year. He has oral plaques, so he's got the warts in his ears, and he's had them as long as I've known them. He's always been ear shy, but it's gotten worse since I've had him. And also he was just so miserable last summer um, because you can't get a fly mask on him. So I decided to treat them um, and the treatment causes like an inflammatory response. So it it does get painful um, before it gets better. And so I think we're on the tail end of that now. You have to go through a couple of cycles. Um, And so now it's interesting because he, you know, because of the treatment and because it gets all crusty and gross he, they get itchy. And so he actually, you know, now begs for scratches and he loves them and he lets ah! you scratch all the way up and down the back of his ear and sticks his nose out, which is, you know, amazing because you couldn't ever get anywhere near them before. So even just being, you know, asking for scratches is a huge step, but you know, he'll be getting scratches and then suddenly he'll just like look his head back and be like, Oh my God, you're going to kill me. Um, And so I don't know if that's mental or if that's still some residual pain in there. um, If he can't figure out whether it itches or it hurts, but long story short is we're going to have to deal with this, obviously as, as they heal and as they're getting better, you know, I'm hoping he will learn that they don't hurt as quickly as he learns that everything else hurts (laughs) when he does. Um, But, you know, we've, we've been working on it and I can put my hand on the back of his pole and sometimes I'll just work my way up his neck and sometimes he's fine and then other times he's really not um and I have been using you know quick quote-unquote clicker training I, I use a vocal marker mm-hmm. and um that's that's been you know a huge uh, a huge improvement and a great tool but it's just the consistency that I'm trying to find and like trying to convince him that he's not going to die.
2: Yeah. And and it's very tricky because it's not like you can confidently say the pain issues are over. Now we can work on training because you're still having to treat it. And there is still residual irritation, itchiness. Um, if there's not pain, there's definitely a fresh memory of pain. Um, so, so right. like a PTSD for him. So, so that is very tricky. Um, how often do you have to treat it? And what what exactly are you doing to treat the issue every time you have to do a treatment?
0: So, to treat him, he has to be sedated heavily um, and have his lip twitched. And then you, um, you know, the first time we had to shave his ears and then pick out the sort of, you know, flaky parts of the skin and then treat it with this, just cream, just spread a cream on it. And then that gets inflamed and then it crusts up. And then two weeks later you have to go sedate him again and go and pick out all that nasty stuff and clean it out. And then, you know, put the cream on again, and then three or four days later, it gets inflamed again. So we've done that twice. Um, it's been a month. So two treatments, basically over a month or two two weeks of treatments, you have to do it like a couple days apart. And um, this weekend, I'm going to have to like, so he's been wearing a fly mask for two weeks since the last treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because you can't get one on him if he's not sedated. <laughs> so right. this weekend, I'm going to have to sedate him again, take it off, clean it out. Um, you know, clean out all the crust and see where we are. The vet thinks we might be done. Oh, um, good. If there's still some signs of that kind of, um, I forget what kind of created, but she put some kind of textured skin. I'll have to do it one more time. Um, but so we, you know, we might be done and we might be, you know, through the tunnel or we might just be seeing the light at the end of it still. Um, but either way, once we are done and once it's not hurting him, you know, it's, it's,
2: it's going to be a, a climb, I think, to you know, retrain it. Right, right. Yeah, and I think um, I think using positive reinforcement is going to be the best thing to help him understand um, that hey, it's not going to hurt anymore. I still need to handle your ears. Um, so what I do in in cases like this um, is, and and I'll, I'll even write it down of. Um, what's going to be my protocol, um, of, of, you know, how are we going to do this approach and retreat? And if I wasn't using positive reinforcement, I would use this approach and retreat method of I can touch your, um, I can touch around your ears and then retreat and, um, And, and do all of that. And, you know, Jen just brought up in the chat about teaching a horse to lower their head first, which I think is a great way to start because it is something you can teach your horse that doesn't necessarily involve touching their ears. And so when I teach a horse to lower their head, um, whether you do it or not with positive reinforcement, um, I like to teach them off of the halter, um, and I will also teach them to do it off of pull pressure, but I teach the horse to lower their head first. And then what you will have happen is sort of like a bobblehead effect where the horse will lower their head and kind of look at you. Like, where's my cookie? I lowered my head. <laughs> um, so, so then you'll have kind of this weird head down, head up, head down, head up, head down, head up thing. So I need to get more thorough than that is okay. Can you lower your head and keep it there for a second? Um, And that can be a big challenge. Just keep it there for a moment um, before expecting a reward or any kind of release. Um, And then I work on two seconds and now three seconds and four seconds and five seconds and so on and so forth. And um, it would not hurt you to get this for Several seconds or even several hundred seconds. There's a wonderful, wonderful game that Alex Curlin, who's a very good clicker trainer, um, has quote unquote invented and she calls it 300 peck pigeon. Long story short, um, I have adopted this as well of my magic number when building duration of any behavior, whether it's standing still on a mat or keeping your head down um, or walking quietly beside me is 300. If I can get you to do something to the count of 300, that's several minutes at least worth of behavior. If your horse can commit to that, for several minutes, that is a really solid behavior. So in the interim of doing these treatments and working on doing the ears, that head down not only will give you this, uh, a chance of handling your horse's ears without having to play avoidance giraffe, (laughs) meaning he's gonna (laughs) shoot his head straight in the air where you have to get on a step still to even get to him. but it is also a naturally calming behavior. If you really commit to that head down behavior, and it's good whether you have an ear shy horse or not. It's just a good behavior to have on hand. You'd be surprised at how much you'll see his personality change. I don't know what's going on with the internal chemistry of the horse's brain when you teach this behavior. But it's creepy the change that comes over them I think it gives them I think gives them endorphins I'm not sure but something happens in the horse's mind when you can get them to commit to putting their head down I think it has something to do with mimicking you know a grazing horse a horse that feels comfortable enough to lower their head and graze is a horse that's not scanning the horizon for predators so there's something going on there that really gets a horse calm so that's a good place to start. Um, and then as far as, okay, we're going to attack the ears now. I think it's good. You're sedating the horse to actually treat the ears. Um, I think that's a really good, uh, practice and plus it's probably absolutely necessary. Um, oh, yeah, in this case, yeah. that's
0: the only option.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that way he doesn't have a full memory of the trauma of getting in there and digging stuff out of his ears. So that's good. Um, mm-hmm. And then I will find, so once I can get my horse to lower its head and keep its head down, then what I'll do is I'll add a new behavior like, okay, you can keep your head down and that's great. And I've, I've built this duration. I've rewarded the horse appropriately. Then I'm going to find where I think the horse's threshold is and, and the itchy ear things. I've had horses that are similar to this. That's very tricky because the horse desperately wants you to scratch their ears But at the same time, they're afraid you're going to hit a pain spot. So you will get this behavior of, please stick your fingers in my ears and scratch. Get it out. But at the same time, please don't hurt me. So I wouldn't start with actually scratching the ears. Um, I would start somewhere behind that. So for some horses, I had one horse who I was lucky if I can get to touching the bridle path area. Uh, So, with that horse, I would start there. I would touch that area, click, treat, and do that several times until that was solid. Once I had that to where that horse is fine touching there, okay, can we get an inch past that? Work on that thoroughly until... Okay, we've we've erased the trauma from that area, and then you know go a little further, go a little further. One of my favorite things I like to do with an ear shy horse or like a mustang who's never had their ears touched is I'll kind of cut my hand and place it around their ear. I will not grab their ear. I'll just kind of hold the ear there,
0: right.
2: and I'll get I'll get to he, where he I actually
0: can, really likes that.
2: Oh, good, that's great. So like, he he like listening. likes it around the base. Perfect. Perfect. So I'll work on that. And then before actually like, okay, I'm going to grab your ear so I can stick medicine in it or grab your ear so I can put it in a (laughs) bridle. I'll kind of wiggle that ear back and forth without actually grabbing hold of the ear. And if they can handle that consistently, then I'll start. Okay, I'm going to. Hold your ear lightly for a second, click, treat. Okay, I'm going to hold it lightly for two seconds, click, treat, and so on and so forth. And I'll get to where I can handle all the way around outside the ear with no issue. If at any point the horse rejects and says, nope, then I know where I need to stay until I can get them to stop rejecting or flinching. Um, so it really is going to be a slow and steady um journey and pairing it with a um with something like um positive reinforcement is going to be a good step in kind of unpoisoning that feeling that horse has of oh my gosh you're going to hurt me and Jen just brought up would would walking through obstacles like a cowboy curtain be useful or something is going to brush over that horse's face um couldn't hurt definitely couldn't mm. hurt something I'll even do that if I've I do this a lot with mustangs and colts, where I know at some point I need to put a bridle on you, um, but maybe you're too wild for that just yet. So what I will do, I all of my halters have a big, soft, long, um, at least twelve foot marine rope lead rope on them, uh, and I don't like to use a buckle. I think buckles are they they have their uses, but when I'm doing groundwork, I don't like this big heavy metal piece hanging from my horse's halter that might accidentally hit them if I'm doing desensitizing exercises. So one of the things I will do is I'll stand in front of the horse and I will flip that halter and lead over their head and it it lands behind their ears. And then I will practice flipping that from side to side. Can I flick the lead rope over to the left and then I'll flick it back and then flick it over to the right. And that gets your horse used to, things passing around their eyes and ears from a distance. Um, So things Mm -hmm. like that can absolutely be very helpful.
0: I mean, that's essentially how we have to get a halter on him as it is, or, you know, we flip it around the back. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It is an interesting thought to do it around the front. The other thing I should add is that he loves face scratches too. And like, if I'm currying, I'll just hold my hand out and he'll, you know, away from my body. So he's not rubbing up against me, but but like, anytime I start with his face, he, you know, he starts nodding. So I just hold the curry there and let him decide where he wants it, <laughs> you know, and he'll just rub back and forth on his face. But again, it's, it's a similar thing where he'll find, he'll, you know, he'll do it himself. He'll hit one spot and then he'll jump back and he'll be like, Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Right. Um, right. But so, and I, you know, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Cause it's not a consistent freak out, you know, sometimes he's fine with it. And other times he, you know, things are going to kill him.
2: And I, I think you are completely on the right track. And I think um, I think where you are, this kind of slow and steady approach and retreat, is is gonna, it's the best way that I have found to tackle it. As far as the sometimes he does it, sometimes he freaks out. Um, that is definitely just this memory or fear or threat, you know, this threat he has of pain. Um, so in that yeah. case, I get so ridiculously OCD systematic of how I approach it. Just because I can scratch his ear. Sometimes and not others does not mean we have reached that point where he's comfortable with me handling the ears, right. which of course you found out. So I find a point, even if it's like overkill, like I start at your withers and more work from there. I would rather do that and find the holes that way um, than then get to a certain point and then have him fling his head back. So um, I get really. I'll write it down if I have to. Like, okay, today we got uh, we got six inches from his withers up his neck, and just approach and retreat, approach and retreat. I love pairing this kind of thing with positive reinforcement training because it is it is the absolute best thing I have found to reverse this kind of traumatic, whether it's from a training accident or, you know, abuse in their past or pain issue. It's the best way I found to kind of erase that, that painful memory. Um, So I think you're on the right track. Uh, The advice I would have to you is get more systematic, um, find this line of, we're going to start here, work You know, work on it an inch at a time and don't go any further. And this is, of course, in between treatments. Don't go any further till you have one thing down completely solid to where there is none of this. He does it nine times out of ten, then the tenth time he gets scared. So you have to be incredibly thorough. You don't have to do it for hours a day, but, you know, five minutes here and there, anytime you think about it, is going to be your best bet. And, of course, we would love to hear updates on this as you go
0: oh of course and so but when you're saying like five minutes at a time like at what point if we if we get it to that point do like what's the time limit of doing something the right way before they get bored and you're just like okay that's enough or or what's the time limit of, of doing it the right way before you move on or you're saying it just has to be a hundred percent of the time that he's not freaking out about it and before you can move to the next step so. Yeah. So sounds obvious now that I say it out loud. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, that's okay. Um, actually five minutes is a really good, uh, especially if I'm using clicker training, um, five minutes is really good. Now you might do five minutes a thousand times a day. Um, but, uh, five minutes tends to be a great point. I would rather leave it, while my horse is perfect and almost wanting more like, Hey, why aren't we playing this game with the cookies anymore? Then, um, <laughs> then, you know, approach an issue where he's just bored with it or he's done or he's frustrated or he's, he's, he's getting too reactive to it. Um, so uh, you cannot be too he loves so
0: far. I have to thank awesome. you, you know, for awesome. inspiring me Excellent. to do it because he's, He's been so he like, he's, it's so cute
2: to see the light go on and see him like, oh, oh, okay. I get, oh, oh, I get a treat. Oh, okay. What else? What you it's to? crazy, and um, I tell you what—I've been using exclusively clicker training for horses handling their feet. These mustangs, some have a real phobia of the farrier, and some just—they just don't know yet. And every assistant I've hired—I have three assistants; two are working for me now. Uh, one worked for me last year. Every assistant that has come to work for me has said, "I will never not use clicker training for feet again." And we just had a brilliant—I uh, had a mustang with a horrible phobia of her back feet getting done. She just didn't like it. Doesn't like a strange person back there handling her back feet. And yesterday I I had a new trimmer out and I was like, okay, she has an issue with this because I want my trimmer to be informed. She, you know, she has this issue. She's not going to be good. We're not going to do it. I don't want to, I don't want you to have to deal with it. And that horse put me like made me look like a fool in a way because she just <laughs> cocked her hind leg. she's like here's my foot and she was asleep and my trimmer kind of looked at me like what what was the issue again and I'm like this is a nice problem to have I'd rather look foolish in that way um, yeah so it's we such actually a great had a very thing.
0: similar experience last weekend he never likes to pick up his left hind as long as I've known him and last weekend I. Got him to not only pick it up, but while I was like w- walking up to his head to treat him, um, he cocked it and held it there. So when I get, came back, he was still had it cocked like, OK, here you go. It was it was like the most amazing breakthrough. I mean, it, usually it's a str- usually I often I just don't pick that book because it's such a battle. I don't want to have an argument with him mm-hmm. it. you know, right. So this is the first time he was just like, oh, this is what you wanted. Why didn't you just say so? <laughs>
2: Well and so it, it does very cute. something it's very rewarding. Yeah, there's something about the clicker training. In the beginning, clicker training the horse the horse learns that I'm a human um vending machine and all the horse has to do is press the right buttons and the, the person will dispense the food. But <laughs> That's Glenn. Glenn has yeah. vending
1: machine costs back. There's a little slot exactly. you can put a quarter in. Yeah.
2: The horse is like, This human is such a fool. All I have to do is give him my foot and they give me all the food I want. <laughs> um, and if that's all that it, did, I would say, well, yeah, this is a nice method, but I probably wouldn't have stuck with it. Um, it's those moments where your horse is like, are you sure you don't want this back foot that I used to be terrified of? Um, because you've only trained with this, um, something about this, the food thing that it just gives the the horse, this feeling of warm fuzzies, like sage with the mounting block. Um, I was discussing earlier, my Mustang who loves the mounting block, I have always worked with the mounting block of you lined up to the mounting block, click treat. And so even when I am not there, I will see her having this glorious love affair with the mounting block, just her head resting sideways on the mounting block. Like, I love you so much. Aww. And um, <laughs> it's just crazy. I'm like, I'm the one who gave you food, not the mounting block. But well, see, they, that's the, the that's the yeah. thing
1: is you, if the horse has that type of behavior pattern, that's telling you. That you got it right because that's what you want the horse to learn. You want the horse to learn that the behavior gets the reward, not the yeah. human. <laughs> and that, and somebody who's really problem. good at it gets that my horses all think I'm a vending machine. They go, Oh yeah, I pick up my foot. And then I go over to you and get a cookie. Say, I'm not as good at it as you are, Mary. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you just, you, when you stick with it for a time, you'll see this weird change to where at first the horse is only doing it for the cookies, but then you'll see the horse fall in love with the behavior. Even after you've stopped, you've phased out the cookie phase, Guthrie, to this day, if he sees his little rubber mat in the arena, he will leave me at liberty to go stand on it. I'm like, but I have the cookies on me. Why do you love the mat more than me? And if I'm not even there and there's no promise of cookies, that horse loves to stand on his mat. And you can absolutely get the same result with things like handling ears, picking up the feet. It's it's very fascinating.
1: Well, There we go, Stephanie. Wow. Eileen, it sounds like you've got a plan. I do.
0: I'm. I'm excited. Well,
1: thank you so much for for Seems taking time out, out of your morning to chat with us. Um, I know oh, I, no it, we've uh, everybody in the auditor Facebook page has been following along on your adventures with this fella, and it's just been fascinating. And we appreciate the fact that you uh, put it all out there for us, so we can learn from it too. And keep us up to speed. Make sure you keep posting on Facebook how it's going with him and and the the trials and the tribulations I will. and the successes. And-
0: and I, you know, I have to thank you guys again, Jen and Glenn. And, you know, the the network that you guys have built is just amazing. And the fact that I get to have a phone call with Mary Miller is oh. not too shabby either.
1: So. Click click and treat. I'll, send, I'll um, send you a a cookie. I'll send you
0: one. Thank you for saying that. Okay. You guys have been so supportive. <laughs> I honestly, i I'm only been involved with horses for three years. I'm so new to this and I honestly don't think I could have pulled it off without you. So thank you.
1: Well, you're welcome, and thanks again, and uh, we'll be, keeping, be keeping, keeping track of it all. Okay, we'll
0: talk Bye.
1: to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Well, that was interesting. I love doing these shows with you because you're very much a stream-of-consciousness um, trainer in that it's it just like, oh, we could try that! You don't just do it by rote, by, okay, this is the way the book says we do it, or this is this is the way I did it with the last horse.
2: Yeah. And you know, sometimes, um, sometimes it's great. And sometimes I do need to get more organized of, okay, I got to follow this protocol, but, um, You know, just when you get to thinking, you know, everything about horses, one comes along and makes a fool out of you. So um, the the horses I train very much inform what I can do with the next horse. And sometimes a tried and true method just works terrific with 99% of the horses. And then I'll get that weird horse in for training that has an issue. And I'm like, oh, I remember that thing I tried with that one horse five years ago. Maybe gotta work with you, and then it does. And so, yeah, I, I like to think I don't really have a program. I just have a very large toolbox.
1: There we go. <laughs> I like that. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to hear from our sponsors, Horseware, who uh, distribute a product called Ice Vibe. And if you are serious about keeping your horse's joints and tendons uh, maintained and healthy, Ice Vibe is the way to go. It's a lot more than just ice packs on your horse's leg. There's a lot of science behind it.
0: In the world of horse racing and elite equestrian sports, it's all about how to prepare and repair. Ice Vibe is a truly portable and highly efficient circulation therapy system for your horse. Before activity, prepare to prevent damage by using the Ice Vibe's vibration pads. Repair after the event by using the unique combination of cold packs and vibration to minimise swelling and encourage blood flow. And because it's battery powered, Ice Vibe is truly portable. The essential and affordable tool to prepare and repair. Ice Vibe.
1: You can find out more details about Ice Vibe at ice-vibe.com or horseware.com. Or ask your local tax shop or online supplier for more information about Ice Vibe Circulation Therapy from Horseware. Dun, dun, dun. And you, they have some really good YouTube videos about Ice Vibe. The, the uh, lovely lady who developed the product did some really nice videos about how it's used and the science that uh, they use to, to develop that. So check it out on YouTube. And it's put together by Horseware. You can find them online at horseware.com. Okay, it's time. I need to get the Universal Pictures uh, logo music to play before your your movie reviews but you went and saw solo a star wars story i'm sorry it's not really horsey but i want to hear what you have had to have to say about it because you're official movie reviewer
2: yes i uh i love movies i don't know if anyone knew that um i let it slip from time to time that i'm obsessed with movies we need Um, we need
1: to get you every single month we're going to find either online or on a DVD somewhere, all of these obscure, strange, old, and some of them new horse movies. And oh, we're going to yeah. send them to you and make you review them.
2: I might've seen quite a few of them. Yeah, You, you never know. Yeah, You never know. Every time
1: you think you've seen them all, there's another one that pops out of the woodwork. Anyway, solo, a star Wars movie.
2: Um, yes. Yeah. So I actually, um, didn't really have plans to see this. Uh, it, because um, some of the reviews, not really reviews from reviewers, but people were saying, oh, you know, it's not very good. Nothing really happens. Blah, blah, blah. I really liked this movie. Um, I think I enjoyed it more than Last Jedi. Oh, um, ow! Ow! I know. I know. Well, this movie is really interesting because the original director's... Um, that were brought on to direct this film were the same directors of the Lego movie, which is a great movie, but, um, you know, that's interesting. We love the The Lego. Yeah, We love what you did with Legos. Let's hand this very, um, uh, pricey franchise over to you. Uh, so they had a parting of ways. I think, uh, I think the producers felt that the guys made it a little too slapstick and, you know, surprise like the Lego movie. Um, So they brought on Ron Howard in the 11th hour, director of A Beautiful Mind, uh, used to be on Happy Days and um, really, really, really good director. Um, And it really shows. I I think he's done a really good job with this film. It was really fun. There's not much at stake in this movie because it is kind of a prequel and not, not a very weighty prequel. Um, but you get a little bit more into Han Solo's character. Uh, the actor that they got to play Solo, uh, I cannot pronounce his name. It's Alden Einrake or something like that. Um, looks nothing like Harrison Ford, which for many is kind of a turnoff, but he's a really good, really charismatic actor and by the time I got into this movie, I didn't care that he wasn't Harrison Ford. That, that you know, I was able to suspend my uh, belief and and everything. Um, they've got Amelia Clark, who is Daenerys da- Daenerys Targaryen, in Game of Thrones, to play his uh, his kind of love interest in the movie. Um, so it's it's overall a really fun story, incredibly fast paced uh they uh they have donald glover as lando calrissian who almost steals the movie really good charismatic character it's got Uh, yeah i thought he was stronger
1: than the solo character yeah i agree
2: yeah yeah and um uh yeah really really fantastic actor um Woody Harrelson's in it. Uh, so the cast is terrific. The movie really is um, fast-paced. It's a lot of adventure. It's a lot of humor. Um, they actually give Chewie something to do in this movie. Yeah, kind Chewie of got a, some character yeah. development. Yay! I know. They didn't just have him off to the side like they have Making in noises, the last two yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, so you find out how Han and Chewie met. Uh, so, so it's really fun to kind of have that. There was a part at the end of the movie where maybe I need to go look into my Star Wars lore a little bit more, but I got a little confused on the plot. They had a character in there. I'm like, am I supposed to know who this is? Is this supposed to be important? Um, either I need to see the movie a second time or maybe just read up on it on Google. Um, but overall I thought it was really good fun. Um. Uh. It's a great standalone movie. I. I thought it was wonderful. I definitely recommend it.
1: it it's classic uh, Star Wars storyline, and that it is very much a spaghetti Western feel to it. It's a. It's a not quite a romping good time, but it's got that kind of a feel to it. It's not too deep. It's got schmaltzy scenes where they look into each other's eyes. Yeah, it got that too. My personal favorite character is the droid. Yes. I fell in love with that droid. I want her to come back.
2: Yes. Um, Yeah. They did not go with the fussy um, C-3PO kind of droid. Uh, A Totally different personality. I thought Uh, the droid had an interaction with Amelia Clark's character, which they weren't even going to put in the movie. That was kind of a last minute addition, which was so funny um and real it's it's a female droid um so i thought that was kind of refreshing and fun at first i did not like the character i was like ugh another droid character yeah exactly I, you know. yeah yeah and by the end of it i was like no she's pretty You're cool for her her? Her at the end <laughs> yeah
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so i thought that was great so i i did not like it as much as the last jedi but I liked it more than I thought I would. I thought, I thought, oh, this is going to be stupid. But I enjoyed it mostly because the droid character really resonated with me. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cute. Pretty yeah. cute character. Yeah. Um, yeah and and as much as so, I I think the actor they got to play solo was terrific there was this big thing about the final 3 who was going to play solo and none of them looked like Harrison Ford in the slightest and there's this if you want to see like a young Harrison Ford clone. There's this kid on YouTube that I don't, I'll never know why they didn't cast him. And he's actually played young Harrison Ford in a movie called the age of Adeline. And I mean, he's got the smirk, the everything It looks just like him. Like they hatched a young Harrison Ford out of a pod somewhere. (laughs) Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but you can, you can Google it and find him on YouTube. Um, but but yeah, I thought I thought the actor did a terrific job. I've seen him in some other films, and uh, really really good little actor.
1: There we go. So uh, we're gonna. How many flakes are you gonna give it?
2: Oh man, I don't know. Three out of four is that the scale? That's that works for me. We can we can make the bail
1: any size we want to. Okay. So you're okay. gonna give it three flakes out of four. Not bad. Yeah yeah yeah. There we go. So if you have an afternoon, the the weather's wretched, head on over and see Star, solo a Star Wars movie. Yeah. There we go. So, before we get before we get to our fi- last and final question of the day, pick one that you like down there at the bottom, uh, Mary. I wanted to mention the Total Saddle Fit Shoulder Relief Cinch. Um, the latest and greatest from the folks over there at Total Saddle Fit. To- the- they make cinches and girths to help your saddle fit better. They're designed specifically... To help that saddle stay off the horse's shoulders so he has freedom of movement and comfort. No short sore shoulder blades here. And it's available in three different um, interior liners. You can get the liner for your horse that works best for him. And they're all interchangeable. So you can buy one cinch and three different liners. Or you can have several cinches and several liners if you have different sized horses. And they're all available at totalsaddlefit.com. And we have heard tell from a number of retailers that the Total Saddle Fit, I I can't say that word, Total Saddle Fit, Shoulder Relief Cinch, and Girth, for the English side, are the most popular selling girths and cinches, cinches that they have. And I have noticed over the past six months or so that almost every major retailer now carries them. And when you hit the button, when you're doing your surfing around and you hit the button that says uh, most popular or best selling, that's the one that comes to the top. So it's working for everybody. And they also have a guarantee that their product is guaranteed to do what they say it will do, or they will give you your money back. So check them out at totalsaddlefit.com. Now, Mary, have you chosen your final question to wrap up the day?
2: Oh they're all so good. Um I may have to address these in the auditor room to give you guys some answers cuz you had some great questions this week. Um I would go with Patty Puffs two tracking, how not to drag the hindquarters when my mare is two tracking. She tends to lag in the hindquarters and I tend to use a dressage whip to speed it up.
1: Ooh. Um let's well let's let's start here. Explain two tracking.
2: Okay, so two-tracking um, would probably be uh, also the same equivalent as a dressage half-pass. The reason it's called two-tracking, it's sort of like a forward-side pass. So the horse is going forward and sideways at the same time. Um, so they end up making a diagonal. Um, and their body uh, tends to be pretty straight from nose to tail, uh, for a more advanced version of two-tracking, you, you'll you want the horse to look in the direction of travel. So they're going across the diagonal, um, kind of side-passing over. Um, and the most common problem with two-tracking is the horse dragging the... Um, the hip behind the shoulder as they go across. That's pretty common. Oh, and the reason we call it two tracking is if you look at the sets of tracks that the horse makes, they're going to make a, a track across the arena dirt with their front legs and a separate track with their hind legs. So they'll leave two tracks. It's like a set of, uh, almost like a railroad tracks going ah, across the arena. We Never yeah. That. Duh, Exactly. Um. So. So. Yeah. You can use a dressage whip to help catch up the hindquarters, but if this is kind of a chronic issue, the horse does, and you feel like you're constantly having to get after them with the dressage whip to get the hindquarters to catch up, you'll get the horse dull and even a little resentful doing this. So. So that is something I will do. I might give them a little tap with the whip to say, "Hey, catch your hindquarters up." But typically, what I will do is I will work on the hindquarters separately. Make sure before I really get into two tracking or in between my two tracking sessions, I will work on making sure I can easily get that horse's hindquarters to step over at a standstill. So I turn on the forehand, if you will. Get that really, really, really good to where you only need light aids to get them to step that hindquarters over. That way you have that button working with you um when you go back to two tracking the other thing i will do is i will two track my horse a little bit if i notice the hind lagging i will bring them to a stop and then move the hind quarters over just kind of remind them hey um get those hind quarters over get those hind off my leg and then i'll two track a little bit more stop the horse heel behind quarters so pretty much every time i am done two tracking i will just remind the horse to move their hindquarters over. And this is not something you can fix overnight, and it's not something to get frustrated over if your horse doesn't do it perfectly right away. Just get a little bit at a time. You you know, I usually need to remind every horse I train, hey, you know, you need to catch those hindquarters up. I don't do it with any kind of malice. It's not any kind of punishment. I just kind of remind them, hey, move those hindquarters over. So it, it just takes a little bit of time. It is... Um, it does have a degree of difficulty to it for your horse. They do need some impulsion and conditioning to do it well. So um, that's t- that tends to be what I do. If you find yourself getting a fight with a horse over it, you're having to constantly tap them with that dressage whip. That's where I stop, reset, work on the hindquarters by themselves, get that working for you, and then go back.
1: There we go. That sounds like a, a great plan. And that's, a, unfortunately, a very common trap that we fall in as riders to use our aid whether it be a dressage whip or a spur or just an aggressive leg aid just making it stronger and before we have know we know it we've desensitized the horse to that exact aid the right leg behind the girth for a side pass that exact thing because we've used it so many times and only gotten eh, eh, results rather than Changing okay, we're not going to use that aid for that exact movement, we're going to work on the part that's the problem first, and then we're going to go back and use that same light aid. That's brilliant!
2: Yay, good. Yay. Um, I, I love being brilliant. Um, yeah, you know, some one other quick thing I'll, I'll bring up, especially if you're trying to get your horses to move away from an aid such as a whip or a leg. If you get really heavy on that cue, that horse will stop thinking. They'll stop focusing on the direction of travel that they ought to be moving. And they're going to put all their concentration on that overly aggressive aid. And so it distracts them from what you actually want them to do. Plus, it can get them defensive against that aid. And what you'll have is the exact opposite effect of what you want is they'll start leaning into the aid instead of moving away from it so you want to take care not to get too aggressive
1: so if you have to use an aid extremely strong or it's um, incrementally getting stronger to get results you've gone awry and you need to take a step back and and reevaluate a little bit very good yes there we go well that's a wrap for today um we'll keep we'll keep it a little bit short today we've got uh I'm a one-woman show, so I have to fly to the next program very shortly. And thank you very much, Mary, for stopping by as you do on the second Thursday of every month. And everybody in the HRN Auditors Room, don't forget to post your pick your questions when she posts up there once a month. We're gonna start. We're gonna have to start pinning that to the top so it doesn't get lost because the room is so active. And if you are not an HRN Auditor yet, you should be. And to do that, all you have to do is go to horseradionetwork.com and look for the Auditors link and for as little as a buck a month you can help support horse radio network broadcasting because you see value in it and you enjoy it and you take get to take something home and when you do that you get to be part of the auditor's room and do fun things like this and in closing you can find links and today's about today's show at horsesinthemorning.com episode 1952 and you can follow us on Facebook whether you're an auditor or not. We have a regular Facebook page too. It's called Horses in the Morning. Just go search it. And you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Horse Radio. And don't miss any of your shows. Go ahead, download the Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android Android. It's free and easy to use. You can choose which show you want to download or you can just hit the all button and get them all. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. You can also listen via iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. And thank you very much to Horseware and Total Saddle Fit for making this show possible. And Mary, we'll be seeing you next month. All right.
2: Sounds good. Have fun at the Mustang Makeover. Oh my gosh, crazy times.